will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. I really miss seeing all of you in person, but I'm glad we can still worship together online. The first scripture for today is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which Also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God, for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Our second scripture for today is from Luke chapter 24 verses 44 through 53. Then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them 
and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, two or three times a year, usually once in the winter after Christmas and once in the spring after Easter and once sometime in the summertime, I, I, I get away for like a day. I sit down someplace, sometimes a winery, sometimes just my house, sometimes I go on a retreat. I sit down and I just hash out and I outline the upcoming sermon series for this next season. And it usually involves me setting aside a full day or two days and I'm working through scripture and I'm chewing on scripture and and making sense of all that's going on in the world right now and all that is up ahead for our world and and trying to mull over and predict what the core conversations are going to be in a couple of months and what the core trending excitement is going to be your anxieties are going to be and texting furiously Brett and Alyssa for input and creativity and affirmation and 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 this is what I do. I do this about three times a year. And this year, as I sat down with these texts, these texts for this season, this season of Easter, something struck me. It, it was nothing, actually. Nothing struck me. In almost every story, Every single text seemed to center on this common theme of emptiness. I mean, you start on Easter, and the good news of Easter, you know it. He ain't here. The tomb is empty. There's nothing there. And then every Sunday, it seemed, after that, there was this reoccurring theme of emptiness. As soon as Jesus showed up, he would disappear again. On the road to Emmaus, he talks and then he's gone. They go fishing and all of a sudden he's gone. He feeds them and, and then he's gone. And there's this sort of reoccurring theme of emptiness, nothingness. Perhaps some might even call it abandonment. And so I thought for a moment about doing a sermon series called Empty. We're going to talk through all the emptiness, all the nothingness, we're going to just unpack the nothing. The absence in these texts. And it seems like a pretty good idea. Seemed pretty interesting. I had some other ideas too, especially as the primaries rolled around, but it seemed like a really good idea. The sermon series called Empty until we got to March. And then until April got here, the nine hundred and 93 days of April, <laughs> that month that went on forever. And I realized that a series on emptiness was probably not the good news you needed to hear right now. And so I pivoted toward, toward First Peter, and I sidestepped the emptiness. Until I got to this week. Until I got... To Ascension Sunday, 
until I got to the Ascension story and I got to the end of 1 Peter 3. The emptiness at the end of 1 Peter 3 is unavoidable. Did you hear it in, in what Kristen read? It says, And baptism, it now saves you. Not because it, it washes you clean from the dirt of the body. Not because it washes you of all your sin. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is now not with you, but with the Father. You are saved by the one who is no longer with you, but who sits at the right hand of God the Father. Your baptism saves you because of, of the empty tomb, because Jesus has ascended, because he's not here, because of the emptiness. And the emptiness at the end of 1 Peter 3 is unavoidable and the emptiness in the ascension story is unavoidable and maybe, maybe the emptiness is unavoidable for you too. Maybe that's, maybe that feels quite familiar to you. Maybe you try to pray and when you do, it just feels empty like nothing is happening. Maybe you keep trying to read scripture because people who look and talk like me have told you it's important, something you should do. But every time you open this book and you try to read it, you're met with this kind of nothingness, this emptiness. I don't even know what to do with this. Maybe joining us in worship right now just leaves you feeling empty. Everybody else seems to be getting something out of this. You're just, it's just not rich for you. You don't seem to get much. It's empty. Or maybe gathering here in this format is this stark reminder of the emptiness of your life. Perhaps it's, maybe it's just the pandemic distance of it all, or perhaps it's because someone who had such an impact on your life and connection and faith you haven't seen in a while or is gone now. And for whatever reason, in this space and this liturgy full of, of, of people and words, but, but not embrace at this moment just leaves you feeling kind of empty. Maybe that's your primary experience of God right now. Not something, but nothing, the emptiness. If so, that's at least partially Jesus' fault. Jesus insists on creating space, on creating this void. Jesus insists on, on the emptiness. Today at the end of 1 Peter 3 and the story, and in the story of the Ascension 2, here, here's the main story. This is what it's about. He left them. This is, this is not John's gospel, 
where John said those famous words we like to hear, I will never leave you orphaned, I will never forsake you. This is not Matthew's gospel where it all wraps up with Matthew saying, don't worry, I'll be with you to the end of the age, to the end of the earth, I promise you. The ascension today is in Luke's gospel. And in Luke's story, it's like he took a highlighter and highlighted it in bright yellow. Luke reminds us of this, this void, this emptiness that Jesus leaves us with. Luke says it plainly. He left them. The author of 1 Peter says it plainly. He is gone. And so this text makes me wonder. I wonder if it makes you wonder. Why the ascension then? Why do we why do, why do we believe this story? Why do we need this story? Why do we need it? Why is this a crucial part of our faith? Accounted for in the creeds of our faith that, that he ascended into heaven and he left us. It seems to me this, this story is more problematic than it is good for us. I would rather have Jesus bodily present, wouldn't you? The disciples would have rather had Jesus bodily present. Those early Christians in that first Peter talks about feeling like strangers in a strange land in Asia Minor about 80 years after the resurrection would have rather had Jesus bodily present. I'd rather have Jesus here. Wouldn't it be great to, to prove something like the resurrection or, you know, to be with us? And give us some kind of a guidance right now in the midst of a pandemic. Wouldn't that be great? Even if he was just, you know, up in some Vatican somewhere, sitting and doling out information for us right now, it would be so much better to have Jesus bodily present. But these texts seem to leave an emptiness that I don't quite like. Why the emptiness? Why the void? Well, the mystics of the faith tell us this, that in the ascension, Jesus gives us his ultimate lesson. This is Jesus, the rabbi, at his best, teaching his disciples the way that leads to life. And, and here's the good news. That at the heart of the way of Jesus, at the heart of this extraordinary baptism that saves you, is the call to, like Jesus, remove yourself. At the heart of this extraordinary baptism that 1 Peter 3 speaks of, is removing you. And making space for God and God's spirit. In the story of the ascension, Rabbi Jesus gives us baptized believers one final lesson. He left them. He is gone. And in such, he made room for God's spirit in the world. Lately, I have been meeting people virtually for coffee 
I don't know if you, if you don't know that already, you can meet me virtually for coffee. Um, you can set that up through a particular link and Alyssa can go ahead and post that again on the feed um, today so that if you would like to meet me for coffee, I would love to meet you. So I've been meeting people virtually for coffee. And I was meeting someone earlier this week for coffee and someone in our congregation, this person was at this crossroads in their life, professionally, vocationally, and sitting there sipping our coffee and me listening to her tell her story, the weight of that impending decision, like you could just feel it. It was so obvious in that virtual space together. It just felt like it was the biggest decision maybe of her entire life so far, and she was having to make it in this time. And if she makes the wrong choice, it could impact her forever. It felt like the biggest decision she would ever have to make. And I failed her. Because I sat there having coffee with her and I, I, I continued to play the same games other people in her life were playing. I said... Well, I don't know. Tell, tell me what you want to do. What, what do you want to do? And it was like I was laying another brick on her shoulders. Seize the opportunity. Take the path you most desire. What do you want to do? Where do you want to thrive? And it was like another brick was laid on her shoulder. And for an hour, almost... I made the decision all about her. And by the time we signed off, it was like I had just dumped another set of bricks on her shoulders. And so I signed off Zoom and I began cooking dinner, but, but I couldn't. It was like God was taking those bricks on her shoulders and, and hitting me across the head with them. It was like God spoke audibly, Hey, Michelle, I thought you were her pastor. Isn't your job to help her figure out what I want? Not what she wants? This roughly ain't about her. She's baptized. She's one of us. And this extraordinary baptism, Michelle, has given her the vocation of getting out of the way and letting my will be done. I didn't ask her what she was called to do. I didn't ask her how God was making room for God, God's work in her life. I, I made it all about her. Let's call that not the way of Jesus. I got her wrong. Not the extraordinary baptism that the author of 1 Peter talks about. I left no room for God's call and God's spirit. I had forgotten about the ascension. I really hope she'll have coffee with me again. She knows who she is. I think she'll probably be watching today. I hope you will. And, and when we do, I promise you I will have better questions for you. And they'll be rooted in this text. We'll talk about the things that, that Jesus teaches us, like, like that prayer. Remember that prayer that Jesus taught us? 
We only did an entire sermon series on it. We only pray it every time we're together. Remember that prayer, thy will be done? Or that, that Wesleyan prayer that we pray and sing at some point every year in our church, usually in January. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will, God. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you and laid aside by you. The author of 1 Peter would have loved this prayer. Exalted for you and brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. And let me have the emptiness, the nothing. Remember that prayer? That's the prayer of a people following the ascended Lord steps aside and leaves and gets out of the way and makes room for God's spirit in his life and in the world around him. That's that's the prayer of the people who know the extraordinary baptism of Jesus in which they were saved, not because they've been washed by the blood as that beautiful hymn that Gina and, and, and Brett sang earlier reminds us, not because of that, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who ascended and now sits at the right hand of God the Father. Saints are those who know the extraordinary baptism of Jesus Christ, and they are great at creating empty spaces by removing themselves. That is our strange life's work, friends, to step out of the way, to put our will aside, to our ego aside, our desires aside, and to decidedly follow Jesus in not making our life about us, but leaving space for God's spirit to move in our midst. And recently in the life of our church, we've had three new little ones born, Mira and Henry and Marjorie. Who, when we finally gather back together, we're going to get the experience together with them, that extraordinary baptism of Jesus Christ. If we were together today, I would have figured out some way to be baptizing one of these babies as this grand sermon illustration with a title that I can't even do today. But saints, these three new ones, Mira and Henry and Marjorie, they are depending on you. You know that, right? They're depending on you to show them this strange life's work that we all have. They're not going to get this anywhere else. They're not going to get this anywhere else. You know that, right? Wherever else they go, people are going to be telling them it's all about them and it's up to them alone and to make their lives whatever they want it to be. And, And she's gifted and he's smart and they can do anything they set their minds to. But that's not the way of Jesus. These new little saints are depending on you to show them that way. 
to teach them what it looks like to step out of the way, to put our will aside, our egos aside, and make space for God's will and God's spirit in our lives. They're counting on you to teach them that extraordinary baptism. And I don't know, I don't know what you have brought here today to this virtual space that is so full of you there's no room for God that needs to be emptied today. But I know that it can happen. As you ponder this extraordinary baptism and you affirm your faith today, it's a chance to empty yourself Maybe your entire life has been about you. You know you can start in a new direction today. Maybe it's just one relationship in your life that's completely wrapped up in you and your wants and your desires. You can let go of that today. Maybe it's this pandemic Maybe it's this weird space we currently find ourselves in. Maybe you've been completely wrapped up in how this is affecting you and your wants and your desires. You can lay that aside today. I invite you to follow Jesus in the ascension today and stepping aside and getting out of the way. And making room for God's spirit in your life and in the world. Next Sunday is Pentecost. And God's spirit is rushing in whether we're ready for it or not. Show Mira, show Henry, show Marjorie how to do it. How to lay yourself aside until kingdom comes. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you to pray with me today. And uh, as a new way of praying, I invite you to reflect on this story, on this this blessed day where the, the clouds parted and Jesus takes his place at home. I invite you to, to reflect on the emptiness and the nothingness and how God is calling you in that. Use this space to offer your prayers now. Brothers and sisters, take in this light, the truth. Once pierced and spilled, now whole, living within us. What we thought was taken, was given. What we thought was dead, lives. What we thought fell apart is whole. What we thought was His is ours. Dear ones, can't you feel Him in you? His compassion-inspiring love to rise up out of your chest as if you could just reach up and embrace Him in your arms. He bursts love, breathes love, swells and compels love. My family, He is love and dwells in those who love His name. Do we not profess to sojourn alongside of truth when thoughts become corrupted and lies take root? Will we invite His revelation in us? Are we not the subjects of freedom? When our questions, our judgments, our theories, 
our pride, imprison our minds, and grieve our hearts? Will we rise to Him? Will we turn to Him sincerely and let His love be the banner over our hearts and His wholeness a white flag over the battle of our minds? So bask in the glow as the sun surrounds us, enlivens, energizes, and gathers us, grafts us into one figure, one body, His church on the move towards the endless age of Christ. Let His words of mercy be at home in our hearts where freedom is accepted and fear is no more. May we surrender our arms and outstretch our hands over city, hospital, church, street, over believer and non, rehabilitating what he has already won. Imagination that has no end. May we know him intimately, and may we look forward to his presence fully, wholly, eternally. With that beautiful prayer in mind, would you join me in that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river. peace, everybody. We'll see you again next week. Stay safe out there. God bless.